You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Ty is producing the show. Also, we've got a new member of our 98.7 ESPN family, and that's uh, Will Pesic. Pesic, am I pronouncing that properly, Will? Yes, you are. Oh, fa- fantastic, because uh, you will soon learn that I, uh, the, the, I am, my strength is not pronouncing names. <laughs> Uh, I get them. I get them pronouncing words. Even it's amazing that I got paid to talk for a living. But, um, but you will learn that quickly. Welcome into the ninety point seven ESPN family. Will, where are you from? I am from Long Island, um, New York. So, not too far away. Okay, and uh, so you'll be running the board. Just know, you know, I like, I like fun, new, hip, what's hot. Music coming in and out, please. That's great. But that is that is my opening song because I am a dancing queen, at least in my own, the privacy of my own apartment. Uh, I love to listen to music and to dance uh, with, with my four dogs. So anyway, uh, we welcome you uh, to our 98.7 ESPN family. Will, welcome in. This is, uh, I think, from what I understand, your second day, your first show with me. And so uh, let's make it a good one. And like I said, though, guys, please feel free to chime in. Am I missing? Am I missing the boat here? Like, what, what, what are we excited about this weekend? Come on, the, the in- celebrity all star game was last. Come night. on, come on. The and and by the and by, and by the by the way, by the way, Ty, why aren't you playing in that? that why I'm you? A, I'm a celebrity. You're 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 a, ce- you're a celebrity. You got your new show with Joe Wiz that's kicking off. Oh, tomorrow. Right? Tomorrow, right? Eight a.m. We're doing a, a nice little gambling show, so I can there learn. You, a, I can learn a thing go. or two from you. There, oh, come on! So, uh, learn a thing or two from Joe Thank Wiz, you. who, by the way, is going to be on with us at two uh, thirty this afternoon, each and every Saturday. Hopefully, he has some college picks and some college plays for you. I certainly do, um, and I have some uh, some plays and picks for you in tonight's uh, All Star. Uh, what do we want to call it? Uh, extravaganza, All Star Saturday uh, Night All Star festivities. Festivities. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. Whether it's the three point shot, the slam dunk contest, yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, you've got the boys of summer on strike. Spoke to Jeff Passan yesterday on my digital show. Uh, doesn't look like uh, I know they're going to resume talks on Thursday. But things do not seem optimistic, at least the short conversation I had with Jeff Passan. So not sure when Major League Baseball is going to be active and attractive. Um, obviously, it's the all-star break right now. Hurrah! LeBron in Cleveland. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Of course, Team LeBron has won four straight times and uh, the last two games by at least 19 points, which is pretty ridiculous if you look at his roster it's uh, I don't know what, what what was Katie doing while while the draft was going on was he like was he here here's my question was Katie just drafting friends or was Kate like because he certainly wasn't drafting best player available he was reeling from uh, one of his teammates in Brooklyn quitting on him <laughs> and which and which one is that because before weren't you weren't you on the uh, Kyrie. The, the, weren't you like, oh, it's all Kyrie's fault. Kyrie's no, the problem. I still feel that way. You still feel Ky- Kyrie Irving got Kenny Atkinson Kyrie's fired. the problem. He got Kenny Atkinson fired last year, and now he drove James Harden out of town. But I did right. say, right, you, right. Know, you don't love the way Harden, you know, whether you were happy or unhappy, the, the way you handled yourself on your your exodus from from both Houston and, and Brooklyn, you know, showing up to camp overweight. It's just unprofessional. It's not a good look for a guy who, in his prime, is you know one of the best, what seven, eight players in the league, still trying to win that first championship. 
Uh, going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. Just not a great look for you. Here, here's the thing. Do you really think he gives a, a rat's behind whether or not it looks professional or not? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Harden got exactly what he wanted. He wanted out of Houston. He even said in his post his his press conference this week with the 76ers, his first choice was the 76ers. He couldn't get there, so he took the bridesmaid, not the bride, and he came here. Wasn't what he bargained for beyond the fact that Kyrie's uh, reluctant to take the vaccine so he could play it at, at home. Uh, apparently, uh, another big issue was, uh, I guess, Kyrie likes to burn incense in the <laughs> locker room. Did you hear this? Yeah, I saw that. But Harden... I, I, like, here's the thing. Listen, listen. I'm all, like, I'm all about incense. Like, I go to f- some, you know, sage. A lot of people, they light sage. You know, they're really b- big into spirituality and whatnot. Like, I'm all for it. Like, you want to come to my house and, like, light some sage, walk around, like, clear the spirits, make my home healthy. Like, I'm all for it. But each and every time I'm walking into a locker room after, like, I'm, like, I'm gasping for air because I'm just participating in a sporting event and I have to inhale uh, incense. I I just, that's something that you, hey, everybody, do you mind? Hey, you, you, you take a poll. Hey, anybody have a problem with? Do you mind if I light this incense? Like, you just don't light incense without asking people for permission. I don't care who the hell you are. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'd want out too, dude. I'd want out too. And if it means that, like, I'm going to eat an extra chicken wing and not work out, well, so that maybe the- an extra six chicken wings. And okay, listen- extra six chicken wings, not work out. So the team's going to be like, Anita, you're too fat. We we can't have you on the team anymore. Bye. Okay, fine. I'm out the door. And you know what? He landed where he wanted to be. And yes, that was with the 76ers. But be so careful at- what you wish for. Because Uh-oh. now you go from a situation in Brooklyn where like, you look at his resume and he's got all the, you know, he's got the MVPs. He's got the scoring titles. He doesn't have the championship. And part of it is because we've seen time and time again in the biggest moments in the playoffs, he melts down. So you went from Brooklyn you could win a championship without ever having to take a big shot in a playoff run because those shots are going to Durant and Kyrie Irving before they go to you. Now you go to Philly with Joel Embiid, who might win the MVP, but you're now going to have to be the guy in crunch time to take and make those big shots. And if you don't win a championship, it's going to be not only reflective of of you as an individual just based on your performance, but now we're going to look at the failures in Houston then the failure in Brooklyn. We're going to lump it all together, and that becomes your legacy. That becomes your legacy. Is it really? Do you feel that it's? It's. Do you feel that it's really failure in Brooklyn and failure failure in Houston? I don't. I mean, the, the three. Do, oh, like, like marinating this for a second. There was only sixteen games that the three of them were on the court together. Well, in Houston, like, that was a failure. They were up three two on the Warriors, and then they they lost Game Six, and then in Game Seven they had at home. He shot 12 for 29 from the field, 2 of 13 from 3. They missed 27 straight three-pointers. Yes, that's okay, a failure. That's, okay, that's fair. But, like, do, are you really, like, is it his fault that Kyrie was unwilling to take the vaccine? No. Is it his fault that KD can't stay healthy? Is it his fault that it these guys his fault, but only played three games together? Or only played 16. Uh, 16 games together with the three of them on the court? Fairly like, or unfairly, we, I mean, injury, I mean, can't really blame you for injury. But part of the reason why... They, you know, succumbed to what happened last year was because he got hurt. Like, his hamstring gave out on him. And people are going to link back to that and say, this is a guy who never in his career gets hurt. 
Now, is it all of a sudden, you know, he's getting up there in age, your body starts to you know, betray you, or was it the fact that you showed up to camp out of shape and that just completely threw you off and you lost that war of attrition in the long run? So, yes, you getting hurt, I mean, a couple of different ways we can look at it, but if you don't get hurt, then that's probably win that series against the Bucks and go on I don't to win the championship. I don't know. I think I think too much. I think too much happened here with all three of the dudes uh, to to put this all on Harden. So I, like so again, like like okay, you want to chalk up Houston as a failure? Okay, this is like to me the Nets. This is a relationship that went bad. This is this was like ooh. Like on paper, like this is a marriage made in heaven. And then uh, once you move in together, like within the first three months, you're like, ooh, I don't know if this was the right decision for me. I need out. No, like, it's not all on him, Anita. I, as I mentioned, Kyrie's got to bear a lot of the brunt of the criticism for, you know, last year he was taking random time off and this year not getting vaccinated. Like you're supposed to be a team player, you know, you know buy into winning a championship and if that includes you having to get vaccinated then so be it but Harden like I said if he doesn't win a championship in Philly then when you look at the narrative that has followed him throughout his career and how it ended up getting him out of Houston and out of Brooklyn and you go to Philly where you always wanted to be so so you say and you don't win a championship there and it's not like you got some super team to overcome you got Joel Embiid in his prime, who's probably in the MVP, and you've got Harden. Those those are two players good enough to win a championship. If we don't get it done, it's definitely going to reflect poorly on him, especially because of how he's handled uh, the last eighteen months or so. But but here's the thing: is it is it going to reflect poorly on him this season if they don't win this season? I don't I don't know. It depends. I don't. If, if they, I don't know. If they get I don't know because it's too one, it's too. But it's too it's too it, it's. Like a lot of teams only have like maybe twenty two anywhere between twenty two to twenty four games left in the regular season. Uh, to me, it's a it's a small sample size of gelling, understanding the roles that are that are are supposed to be in place. Now, do I do I think the seventy sixers make a good run for it? Yeah, but if they don't win a championship, I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna like call out Harden. I, you, in my opinion, you need to give them this season and see what happens next season. See how they do how it, next season. It depends for me. on how it happens. If, if for me. they go out there and in round one against the Celtics, losing six, and Harden shooting twenty five percent from three and turning the ball over six times a game, then yeah, that that that's not chemistry. That's just you not being good enough again. And in the playoffs, you know, succumbing to pressure. So it, it depends on how it happens. If they lose to the Bucks in seven or a well-fought-out series against the Nets in seven, then it's different. But if, if he goes this entire tenure in Philly, however long it is, and they don't even make the finals, let alone win a championship, then that's going to follow him the rest of his career. And that's going to be a part of his legacy. Yeah, I, I just, for me, again, I'm, I'm going, I have reservations. I'm, I'm going to hold off on this year. Uh, again, I, I think, you know, this is, this is, this is basketball. There's an ebb and flow. There's, there's chemistry that needs to be developed. There's roles that need to be uh, defined and, and whatnot. So uh, this year I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to reserve uh, any type of opinion in that regard. I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested to see how this dynamic is going to work. That's for sure. Uh, but uh, I will be more critical next year after they have an off season under their belt. Um, time to really kind of gel, make it, make it come together, and then see 
play together throughout a regular season? Can Harden stay healthy throughout a regular season? How will that dynamic work and see what type of run they make in the postseason? Then I'll make an assessment after next season. That's I just, kind of where I, I'm, I'm at. rooting for Nets Sixers uh, at some point during the playoffs. We we have to get it, and we can get it as early as round one. If the Sixers stay at three and the Nets somehow climb all the way up to six, that three six matchup would be Sixers Nets, and that would be all kinds of fun. All kinds well, of fun. Uh, I know from what from reading, uh, I know that uh, Ben Simmons is is working on getting uh, r- ramped up. As we know, he hasn't played basketball in a hot second. So I think his debut is hopefully the game with the Nets in Philadelphia going up against the 76ers. I want to say it's March 10th, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. Yeah, March 10th. Uh, right. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You had the, uh, what was last night again? This The, the, the Rising, Rising Stars. Stars game. <laughs> I, I will say this: there, there are some really exciting rookies out there this season uh, that that I've been winning quite a bit of money on uh, when it comes to uh, to to prop bets. That's for sure. So it is an exciting time in in the NBA. I was I was posting. It was very interesting. I was posting some things out uh, about the NBA, talking obviously a lot about the NBA because it's really the only thing besides. Well, we we've got the Daytona Five Hundred. This weekend, uh, you've got a golf tournament happening out on the West Coast, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Okay. Um, no baseball, uh, you know, work stoppage. Okay, we'll see what happens there. Um, football, getting ready for free agency, getting ready for the draft. Just, you know, not, not the most exciting time in our wide, wide world of sport. I get it. So, but, so what's, what's front and center is NBA. I got destroyed on social media for talking NBA. Like, the league sucks. It's boring. Nobody's watching. I, I guess. I guess to some extent, I, I I could understand. Like you know, I watch because I'm part of a gambling show, and uh, I you know, I I I follow I follow the league, uh, especially statistically more in depth than the average bear because I have to, and um, I play a lot of DFS. I, I gamble on a lot of prop bets, and so I follow it more. But and so I find it interesting. But I, I guess for the average individual, do you do you feel for the average individual, Ty, you're a bigger NBA fan than I am. Do you feel that the NBA is is boring right now? Do you feel the state of the NBA right now is not at its best? Uh, no. But I'm also like the wrong person to ask this is because it's my favorite sport. I think that. Um, it would be disingenuous for anyone to have argued years ago that the league was was faltering because we had too many super teams, like the Warriors not being good for the NBA, the Big Three of Miami not being good for the NBA, and now you have a league that is riddled with um, parity because like the Bucks won it last year. Who are the favorites this year? You don't have that one team you look at and you say, well, they're definitely going to win the title. There are a bunch of teams. You can say the Suns, the Warriors. Well, let's look. Let's look right now. The Suns are the Suns and the and the Nets are favored at plus four twenty five. Um, and if I had to put money down on either one of those teams, for me, it would be the Suns uh, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. That's for sure. Um, Golden State is plus four fifty. Uh, the Seventy Sixers are seven to one. Bucks seven to one. The Miami Heat twelve to one. 
the Boston Celtics, man, these are some good odds for the Boston Celtics, 25 to 1. Again, Ty, you said that the, the NBA is your favorite game, then you know, man, the Celtics really have turned it around, especially the last uh, month and a half. My goodness gracious, they are playing some of the best basketball. You could argue between them and the Suns, they're playing the best basketball right now in the NBA. And the fact that you can get the Boston Celtics 25 to 1, I'd put at least put $5 on that. Why not? I would say that there are six there are six-ish teams that could legitimately legitimately win the title. What are your um, six? In the Eastern Conference, I think Miami, Chicago, Philly, Chicago, uh, I'm really? Sorry, I'm sorry. Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn are the four teams in the East that can win the title. I think Chicago still might be a year away. See, I, I, I just, I'm not. I think and, the Nets are. I think that's fool's gold. But go w- ahead. In the West, I would have Phoenix and Golden State. I'm a Laker fan. Look, it, it's a long shot. If Anthony Davis no, comes back, nope, nope, wait, nope. If Anthony Davis comes back and him and LeBron go on some insane run, then sure. But obviously, that's not likely. So I would say. Um, six-ish teams, you could you could argue for winning the championship. Whereas every year it was like, is it going to be Cleveland? Is it going to be Golden State? So I think as far as the overall health of the league, it's in a, a pretty good place because everyone loves parity. So here you have it, you you have parity. In, in 2019, you had the Raptors win. In 2020, it was the Lakers. Last year it was the Bucks. You've had three different winners the last three years. Might get a fourth this season. Listen, I I, I again I I'm into it. Um, but, but I don't know, am I into it because I've got money on the games each and every night and, and I'm playing like anywhere between 10 to 15 prop bets every night. So I'm following these guys, you know, like Devin Vassell and people are like, who the hell is he? Um, he plays for the Spurs and ever since the trade deadline, him and, uh, DeJounte Murray are getting 30 to 35 minutes a game and the odds makers haven't, haven't caught on to his point total yet. He's averaging anywhere between 15 to 18 points a game and his point to- point total is sitting at 12 and a half. So I- I'm I'm like I'm making money hand over fist going over on his point total because the odds makers haven't caught on yet. So you know, do I when the Spurs are on or when the Spur when when there's a highlight am I watching? Yeah, I am because you know, I'm it's it's a very lucrative player for me right now. So I, I just share that it, I just share that with you just to say like, you know, I'm I'm I watch the NBA a lot differently than the average bear who might not have money on the game. And so my rooting interest or my interest at all uh, is, is different than most people. And I'm just, and, and I'm just curious because again, like I said, I, the response that I got on social media was the league sucks. I don't watch. It's boring. Who watches? I, I don't, you know, I, I watch. <laughs> You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7. ESPN. I'm surprised you didn't talk about the halftime show yet. I know it was oh. six days later, but so so uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Like, are you following all that went down? Like, Dr. Dre specifically told Snoop, "Don't grab your junk." He did. <laughs> did you hear that? Yes. He sp- he specifically pulled him aside and said, "Look, dude, don't grab your junk." He grabbed his junk. Um, you know, uh. Uh, Eminem, the only one who was able to take a knee for Colin Kaepernick because he's Caucasian. Um, I, like, I, it's just like there's, there's like, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, so I don't Dre, know. Dre did an interview. I don't, the I don't know if day. three hours is enough, dude. Dre did an interview the next day and said that there were some lyrics that had to be edited, uh, particularly uh, when it comes to obviously offensive language. Kendrick had to, you know, edit some of his, his, um, some of his lyrics. 
Uh, Snoop Dogg was out there crip walking. As you mentioned, Eminem took the knee. There was a, a, a false report that the NFL said that he, he couldn't do it and he did it anyway. But uh, that was later debunked. Uh, they were rehearsing all. But I did. NFL but I did hear. But I did hear he was the only one who was who they agreed to do it because he's Caucasian. Did you hear that? I didn't see that. But I mean, mm. listen, uh, that's the way to make a statement, right? Like if, if Eminem. Oh, there were. Let me tell you, there were a lot of statements made. A lot of statements Eminem's made. I think. Vocal. I think. Like I felt like I thought it was really interesting that it was like all white, like the White House in regard to like so that entire what what they were dancing on was supposed to be like a a strip mall in Compton. Did you yeah, know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it. And right, and so and it was really interesting, like the videos that were playing inside the White House. If you looked like inside, were you know actual videos of people from Compton. Yeah, and, and not not even to mention this too. Um, we talked about James Harden eating his way out of Houston and Brooklyn. You see, Fifty Cent, you know, he put a couple pounds on there as well, hanging upside down, uh, rapping to, in the club. That was uh, that was a sight to, to behold in itself. Fifty putting some weight on. Yeah, well, they're, life, well, they're all they're all getting they're all getting a little older, man. They're all getting a little older. It's uh, he's okay. a little okay, chunky but- though. You know, besides all the political statements and and everything that happened, like we, my apartment was jamming. Yeah. Like we rocked it out. Like I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. Like I just, I thought, I thought the, I thought the song, the, the song choices. I thought everything about it was great. We, like we, we like probably one of the most fun halftime shows. Uh, I've ever experienced here in my home, just dancing and singing and screaming. And with the people that were here, we had a blast, but like there was a lot to unpack there uh, politically for sure. So, and that's a mention Mary J and she comes out. She did her thing as well. I was a little shocked with uh, uh, the song selection, but you know, Mary J is a legend just dropped an album. I was very pleased. It was a, a huge night for, I, I thought hip hop, and, and everything that the uh, hip hop community stands for, and it comes, you know, in a game that you know went down to the wire. So I loved every moment of it. It was fantastic. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm not. I'm not really thrilled with the game. Um, I, like really? I, I just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I thought it was. I thought it was a good game. I, I didn't think it was a great game. I was sad to see Odell get injured. Yeah, um, he was. That was. He was. Off, he was off. He was off to a really, really good start. Um, By the way, Anita, that uh, Odell anytime touchdown plus a thousand—that's a money maker right there. Yeah. Also, keep in mind he scored the first touchdown. Anytime, a lot of people. I'm sorry, not anytime. First time touch. Uh, first touchdown score. Odell yep. was plus a thousand. Lot. Yep. A lot of people made a ton of money on that one. That's for sure because there was there was a lot of talk that you know there was a lot of talk and, and, and expectation that he was going to score a touchdown. Period. So people took it to uh, the next level and, and, and bet that he was going to score the first time touchdown. And those who did, uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I, I mean, I, I, I came out a winner throughout Super Bowl. You know, of course, if you listen to the show, you know, I played a lot of prop bets. Um, you know, I, I had Cincinnati plus four and a half. I had Cincinnati plus four. I played them as a two-team teaser, so I teased them up. The, 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 the two-team teaser total over just hit by half a point. Yeah. The 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 teaser brought it down to forty two and a half, and of course you know the final score was a total of forty three. So I was very lucky, you know, won by the, the skin of my behind in in regard to that two team uh, that two way teaser. Uh, but I also took Cincinnati on the money line. I lost there. 
Um, I was really uh, probably uh, the one bet that I was probably most disappointed in, and P. I had Ryan. quite a. Yeah, I had I had quite a bit of a coin on was P Ryan and I don't under like I don't understand. Here's the thing, um, one of the strongest points that I made and we saw the season when it came to the Cincinnati Bengals was their coaching staff and the adjustments that they were able to make. Well, in the first half, the Rams only had one sack, and a big reason why is you know they were they were double teaming uh, Aaron Donald. And they and and Joe Mixon was having a lot of success in the rushing attack. One way to counter a blitz is to run the ball successfully. Now, I did not expect uh, Mixon to have as much success running the football against the Rams. Let's be honest. The Cincinnati Bengals' rush defense was much better uh, than the Rams' rush defense. But nonetheless, so it worked out for them in the first half. But you know what? The Rams made a great adjustment. What they did is they were blitzing the outside linebacker from the opposite side that Aaron Donald was getting double teamed at. And they didn't have Samaji Pirine in the backfield to pick it up. And what did I say all week? Samaji Pirine is the best blocking running back back there. So why they did not make the adjustment, like I understand the first half, you're having success with Joe Mixon. He's running the football. He's averaging, I want to say he was averaging like, you know, 3.8, 4.2, 4.5 yards per carry. So he was having success in the rushing game. I understand, okay, well, he's having success. You don't want to derail it. But once you saw the Rams come in the second half with a different, uh, you know, defensive scheme to counter what you were doing against Aaron Donald, then now you've got a, you now you've got a counter. And the counter would have been and should have been P. Ryan coming in and playing more being able to pick up that blitzing linebacker from the opposite side that they were double-teaming Aaron Donald. Now, keep in mind that last play of the game for Cincinnati where um, where Joe Mixon is, uh, not Joe Mixon, where Joe Burrow is trying to escape Aaron Donald and he shuffles the pass out. That was wide open. I don't know, like P. Ryan was there, but I think, and I'm not making excuses for him, but like you, a lot of running backs will tell you like, it's hard to, like, running backs need consistency in order to get ramped up, in order to get, like, geeked up, to, to, to get into a rhythm of flow. And he wasn't getting a lot of playing time, but, like, that shuffle pass could have gone for, I don't know, that, that shuffle pass could have gone for at least 15, 20 yards. They would have gotten the first down, and it would have been a different game. And the one-and-a-half receptions would have landed and also, I played him over 10 and a half receiving yards, and that would have hit as well. So that would, so a few things. Number one, I'll use the word shocked that the Bengals defensive staff didn't make adjustments and play more P Ryan in the second half when the Rams made defensive adjustments. And number two, it's just it's 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 just that close, right? That close, that last shuffle pass, if P Ryan would have gotten it, it really would, I think it really, really would have changed the dynamic of the game and possibly sent the game into overtime. And then maybe I would have enjoyed the game. A little I don't bit know more. if we saw this on that fourth and one uh, play where Donald completely obliterates Barrow and he shuffles it to Piran that, that you just talked about. It, you give Barrow just one more second. There's an angle that shows that Jamar Chase has Jalen Ramsey completely beat down the field for what would have been the go ahead touchdown. 
He was wide open. Burrow couldn't see him just because, you know, Donald was in his face. But if you give him one more second, uh, Chase had broken away from Ramsey, and it was going to be a sure touchdown, and the Bengals were going to take the lead. But credit to Aaron Donald. Did you feel like uh, Cup deserved the MVP there? No, Aaron Donald should have gotten the MVP. And, 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 I, and I love Cooper Cup. Love Cooper Cup. And big reason why the Rams were successful this season was because of Cooper Cup. But, you know, that's why he won Offensive Player of the Year, right? Like, that's, that's, that's the total embodiment of the work. This is the Super Bowl. And there is one guy that was ultimately responsible for the Rams winning, and that was Aaron Donald. And, and he deserved the MVP. And I think the, the possession where the Rams take the lead uh, with, what, a minute left to go in the game, where Cup did everything. I mean, he on the fourth down conversion, he, you know, he, play, he was in the backfield as the running back. Uh, he obviously catches the touchdown. So I think because of how that possession played out, I think that's probably why uh, they, they went with him there for the MVP. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. AD's out for four weeks. Now, they went 7-10 and 10 without him when he was dealing with his MCL issue. Okay, so obviously we know, no bueno, not a good team without him on the court. And, and understandably so. Westbrook, not a good fit. This experiment, not working. They have 24 games remaining, and they're in the ninth seed in the West. Now, let's do a deeper dive in regards to LeBron. He's got a knee issue. Now, I fully expect him to ball out this weekend. But in order for this knee to heal and to seriously get ready for next year's run, he even said he needs rest he needs to rest the knee. The knee is not going to get any better with whatever therapy, whatever they're doing. He just needs to stay off of it. He's 37 years old, and I've buried the lead here. No way a Lakers team without AD is going to beat the Suns or the Golden State Warriors. Even with AD, I highly doubt that um, You know they'll be lucky if they get in in that play-in game. They'll be lucky if they win it, advance, and then like... How far do you really think the Lakers are going to go? I don't think very far as well, at, at all. So why are you going to spin your wheels for a dude who's 37 years old and we all know he wants to play with Bronny? And that's not going to happen until 2024, if that. So I'm sure he wants to stay fresh for the next two years in order to make sure that, you know, not only is he like, you know, limping onto the court, but like legitimately, legitimately playing with his son. So these are all the reasons why, Ty, I think they should shut LeBron James down. Well, that's not going to happen for a multitude of reasons. One, the Lakers are never going to punt on a season, especially when you have LeBron and, and Anthony Davis coming back. Two, LeBron wouldn't take it because even if you don't think his primary motivation is to win a championship realistically, he's still chasing Kareem uh, as far as the all-time record is concerned in scoring, and he's going to at some point next season eclipse that. So that's that's incentive incentive enough for him personally uh, to continue playing games. And then the league, could you imagine the Lakers decided they want to shut LeBron James down? And part of well, it, well, he does have he does have a knee issue. And part of it and, is and, because they, and he's saying he needs rest. He wants to play with his son. Not and two years from now, that that would just be that that would be mind boggling. But. Um, even if you don't think the Lakers can make a run, which I don't think there's any evidence that would suggest through 70% of the season, 
uh, there was any evidence to suggest they could, you still got to take your chances because, like, as good as, like, the Suns, to me, are the best team in the league. Like, that, that is the apex. They're better than they were last year, and they were two wins away from winning it all. With CP3 and Booker, uh, with that backcourt, what they've been able to do, um, Bridges, the, the, the leap he's taken this year, Monty Williams is an excellent coach. I think they are far and away the best team in the West. Then it's everyone else. Like, the Warriors are really good, but... I still think the Lakers can beat them. Well, we haven't really seen what the Warriors can exactly. do. We haven't seen Clay and Draymond Green exactly. and Weissman and, and, and Curry all play all at the same hope, time. Hoping that Draymond can come back and be healthy and Weissman can come back and be healthy. And then Clay Thompson continues to ascend because he has played better uh, of late. And then it all can, like, chemistry is not going to be a problem. These guys have played together for years, but just. Um, the idea that they can do it without any setbacks and it can be free-flowing and, you know, as guys age, it's, it's a little more difficult to come back from injury. The Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you put them in a playoff series against any against Memphis. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't think they have a good chance to beat Memphis or Denver or, you know, or any of these other teams. Like, I get Phoenix is far and away above everyone, as I keep saying. But you look at the Western Conference— you get a healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis on a series against Utah or Dallas or Minnesota. You're not picking them to win those series. I think you would. So punting on the season would would to me not. I just I, I just I think it, I think I think at this stage it's 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 championship or bust. He's 37 years old. He's not a young whippersnapper. He's dealing with a knee issue. You know maybe maybe it's not that he doesn't play for the remainder of the season, but. You know, maybe it's you know sporadically. Maybe there's more games he takes off than on. No, he's gonna play. I just, the, the Lakers are still like in the playoff picture. Yeah, but they're not going to win. It does, but it doesn't matter whether or not you feel they're gonna win or not. As long as you are in the playoff picture, that these games matter. Like think things change. What if you get into a series and I'm not wishing injury upon anyone, but CP3, who's got a, a you know a history of getting hurt. What if he gets hurt? Yeah, but you're you're talking you're talking about making it to the championship if they're going if he's going up against like there's no way that's like that's like the no, they you know play the war- that's they- the western that's the western conference championship no, no, I don't Anita, even think they get they, that they, they don't play, get that close Anita, they could play the Warriors in the first round I mean they could play the Suns in the first round the Lakers are nine right now so they can get the eight seed and and play Phoenix in round one so that's that's not the all needing to get to the western conference final I'm not trying to be be a homer here all I'm saying is. With with LeBron and Anthony Davis, you're never going to just sit out, like have have this guy sit out the rest of the season. It just doesn't make any sense. I uh, yeah. I just I think it's I think it's I think it's food for thought. So uh, in regard to, I did a deep dive into the Nets. Uh, there is a 26 percent chance FPI, a 26 percent chance that they win the East. Uh, keep in mind, Ben Simmons hasn't played in a hot second, and uh, I know that again that. Uh, that debut they're aiming for uh, the game against the 76ers in Philly. That should be, that should be interesting. Um, I want to say if I remember correctly, it's March 10th. Could be wrong. I think that's the date. Uh, Katie, not sure if he's going to be active and attractive by then. Cause don't forget he's dealing with an injury. There are 23 games remaining on the schedule. Um, uh, you know, Keep in mind, they, they still they have to get past the Heat and the 76ers in Boston uh, to, uh, to win the East. Um, 
Boston, in my opinion, you talk about the Suns, Boston's playing some of the best basketball right now as well. That's for sure. And, uh, and, and, and especially like, I think, you know, adding Derek white to that Boston, uh, roster, what it does for them defensively. They were already a great defensive team with Williams and smart. Now you, now you add white. I'll tell you, don't sleep on Boston now. Um, I, I really, I, I really like Boston a lot. It, 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 Brown's been playing exceptionally well, him and, and Tatum, uh, they've, uh, I don't know if there was differences there or whatever the case may be, but they've put those aside. And those two cats are balling big time. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Justin in Long Island. Justin, you're up. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I just want to talk about the James Harden trade, him going to the 76ers. I mean, I don't know why any team would want this guy. I mean, I know he's a great regular season player, but you look at what he did in Houston. I mean, he had a really good career there. But anytime there's any sense of failure coming with the team, he just wants out. I mean, uh, I think it was a smart move for him to leave Brooklyn. I don't think he was a good fit there, but I mean, if he doesn't win a championship with the 76ers, I think it's possible we're talking about James Harden as like one of the biggest players to ever choke in like big times in the postseason. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Ty and I were talking about this, and Justin, thanks for the phone call. Ty and I were talking about this earlier on the show. Um, I'm going to hold off on any opinion in that regard this season you know I I think it's I think it's really important that a team has an entire year under their belt to see what they can do in regard to the chemistry that has to be developed uh role players their roles have to be defined um I just think it takes a minute in order for all that to come together so I'm really interested to see how far the 76ers can go immediately right off the bat of course, um, not sure when Harden is going to be back again. Um, so I'm 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 curious to see what happens this year, but um, I I think the pressure is going to be on on him next year for sure, and I think next year has to be one of those years where they win a championship, <clears throat> at least take it to seven in the championship, and 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 see what happens there. And also, everybody has to stay healthy. Right? Like, you know, Embiid has had some issues in the past. Not frequent, but some issues. Harden has had issues, as we know. Like, you know, that's another thing. Like, it's just, it's so hard to stay healthy, especially with a grueling night in and night out, you know, back-to-back games, three games in four nights. It's so hard to stay healthy in the NBA, that's for sure. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's click or don't click. A fun way we tour around our wide, wide world of sport, find out what the headlines are, and uh, and that tells us what is trending at 2.18 p.m. on this Saturday afternoon. Ty, take it away, please. Got some breaking news in the NFL, Anita. He's back. Whoa! Former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores Mm. joins the Pittsburgh Steelers as a defensive assistant linebackers coach. He, of Mm -hmm. course, spent the last three years in Miami, your old stomping grounds, compiling a 24 and 25 record. A little misleading, though, because the first year they were bad, but the last two seasons, 
Uh, they were pretty good. But he was fired last month. And prior to that, he was a defensive play caller uh, for the Patriots. And now he is back. He's, of course, he's got a lawsuit right now against the NFL. And, you know, there were there was skepticism as far as him actually getting back into the league because, you know, once you get a lawsuit uh, pinned against the, the, the employer, hard to see you working for that corporation ever again. But he's back already. So shout out to the Pittsburgh Steelers for hiring Brian Flores. Here was a statement released by... Head coach Mike Tomlin, I am excited about Flores joining our coaching staff given his history of developing and teaching defensive players during his time in the NFL. Brian's resume speaks for itself, and I look forward to him adding his expertise to help our team. Leave it to the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? The Roonies, the Rooney rule, um, hiring Mike Tomlin, um, having him, you know, uh, you know, granted Tomlin has had a lot of success with the Steelers, which says really a lot considering it, it is it is a competitive division. There's no denying that. And, um, you know, Tomlin, his tenure, I think I was sharing when this whole thing happened, I was sharing with you, like, the, the work expectancy uh, for a Caucasian coach is anywhere between three to four years. The work expectancy for a minority coach is two to three years. Uh, so the, the fact that... Uh, Tomlin has had the tenure that he has had with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers speaks for itself, let alone that organization and all that they're willing to do. Um, God bless them. So uh, this, this is, this is, uh, it's not a surprise to me that the Steelers have stepped up in this regard, but what is surprising to me um, is that an organization was still willing to hire him and bring him in, even though th- considering there is a lawsuit pending. Yeah, and um, I, I just saw someone put this on Twitter. Uh, Carrie Champion, she she points out, look, this is a, this is a positive step, but let's not get distracted. Let's not act like the NFL doesn't have a problem. Uh, if they're going to use this to pacify the situation, then don't allow them to, because it's still it's still jarring that a league that is what seventy five, eighty percent black only has one black head coach and Mike Tomlin. That's not okay. That it can't just be a coincidence. At some point, the problem has to be acknowledged and and ultimately dealt with. Uh, but moving on to back to basketball, how do we get here, Anita? How do we get here? The New York Knicks. Oh, I'm clicking that for sure. All right, so it's not too long ago, they were five and one. Everyone was all excited coming off of what was a, a season filled with expectations that you surpassed because you somehow found yourself in a first-round playoff series hosting a team as the number four seed. Your best player was the most improved player in Julius Randle. He was the uh, eighth. He finished eighth in MVP voting. Your head coach was the coach of the year. The sky, you know, everything w- was looking up for the New York Knicks. You start the season 5-1, and one, and now you look up, and they're 12th in the Eastern Conference. 12th. Only the Pacers, the Magic, and the Pistons have been worse so far this year than the New York Knicks, who are at 25 and 34. And then you come across the New York Post article yesterday detailing that DeMar DeRozan, who's right now hanging out in Cleveland uh, since he's an all-star, wanted to come here. He wanted to come to the Knicks, but instead he went to Chicago. They offered him three years, $84 million, and there their sources uh, in the story are saying that had the Knicks matched the offer, he would be a New York Knick. 
And could you imagine DeMar DeRozan with Julius Randle? I don't think it's a perfect basketball fit, but two really good players, and then you surround them with R.J. Barrett, and every, and, then, and then everyone gets to take their rightful place on the team because Julius Randle's not a number one option. Maybe he's not a number two, but could how, how much better could he have looked with DeMar DeRozan? How much better could R.J. Barrett have looked with DeMar DeRozan? So well, well, I, I will say this uh, because folks might not be aware of this. DeRozan has done something that Michael Jordan never did when he was a bull, and that is five straight games of thirty-five points or more, shooting fifty percent from the field. Five straight games, thirty-five points or more, fifty percent from the field. Something, believe it or not, Michael Jordan never did. Well, Chamberlain did, uh, but uh, but Michael never did. I love DeRozan. I think he's 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 absolutely amazing. Each and every night he plays, I put five dollars down on the triple double. Every night he plays, I mean, he's just um, he's unbelievable. I, I'm just I'm curious. Does the article explain like he wanted to come here? I would imagine every team wanted him. It was it was it a money issue? Why didn't the Knicks like? Why didn't they roll on that? Why weren't they more aggressive with that? Um, it says that. Uh... Part of it was there was some trepidation of uh, about his lack of three point shooting abilities, and I mean, <laughs> in retrospect, I mean it's it's easier to have like you know an opinion with fervor in retrospect, right? Because did anyone see Demar Derozan having this type of season where he's now mentioned in the MVP conversation? No, no one saw that, but. The counter to that would be if you're the Knicks, I mean, you had the most cap space in the league. You were coming off of a season where you yeah, exceeded so... expectations. And and to <laughs> complement the pieces around you, to complement, you know, your head coach, to complement Randall and Barrett and Quickly and Mitchell Robinson and all these guys, you could have had DeMar DeRozan, a, a, an all-star, a guy who's been the best player on uh, on a team like the uh, the Raptors, who were the number one seed, and instead you signed Evan Fournier. Like that's the direction you went in. You could have had DeRozan, and you went with Evan Fournier. Things like it's, that just can't uh, happen. It sets your organization back many many years. It's uh, that that's got to sting. That's got to sting big time. That really sucks. Yeah. All right. And now you got to live with it because he's in your conference and the Bulls are pretty good and you're not. So it, it, it's tough if you're a Knicks fan. The All-Star break came in a perfect time because, I mean, what a disaster this week has been with the, the debacle on Monday night at home against OKC. That's a game you can't lose and you find a way to lose it and you think, well, that's the worst loss of the season. Can't get much worse than that. But then <laughs> hold my beer, come to Wednesday, you're up 28 yep. against the Nets. Without Kyrie, without Ben Simmons, you know, without Kevin Durant, and you blow a twenty-eight point lead at home to uh, Cam Thomas and company. Joe Girardi, uh, the old manager, said, "Not what you want." Which, which, by the way, so as I, I shared with, we had uh, Tommy Beer on a little bit earlier. As I was telling him the story, so Wednesday night, I didn't have much going on. I was home. Um, I had uh, not only did I have uh, over. Uh, in uh, in points for uh, Seth Curry, but I also had over I want to say it was twelve over twelve and a half points for uh, Quentin Grimes, and um, so you know the, the 
first quarter starts off, and and Curry was a little off the first quarter, but yeah, Grimes, Grimes, he put eight points up in the first quarter. Dude was balling, man. He was balling. I was just like, oh, and you know, Knicks, you know, they're you know they've got this huge lead. They go into the half. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'll see, you know, this is a boring game now. Like, you know, I'll I'll see what's on Netflix. I start watching a new series on Netflix, and I end up falling asleep. I wake up the next morning. I see that they lost. Yeah. And and my Seth Curry prop bet of over seventeen and a, and a half points hit. But my but my camp but my Quentin Grimes doesn't hit. He had eight points in the first quarter, and he ended up with eight points. He didn't score another point <laughs> in the next three quarters. Not what you want. Not what no. You want. At, at uh. so at halftime, the Nets were down twenty one points. If you if you check the live line, it, they were plus twelve hundred to win the game, and I almost took it, but I decided at the last minute not to. And as you heard Tommy Beer come on earlier, he says the best bet in basketball right now is whoever the Knicks are are going up against. <laughs> take them, take, take them, them, them the at the half. half. Take <laughs> them in the second half. That's so true. It is so true. Take oh my goodness. And it was interesting because I was watching Greeny and Stephen A. Smith and, and Jalen Rose um, in, at the, during the, doing the halftime show because that, that game aired on ESPN. And, and they went to Stephen. They were like, Stephen, man, Knicks look good. And Stephen's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. I like, I don't like, you know, he, he kind of, he knew the, it's like, it's like Stephen A. Smith knew the writing was on the wall. He was like, I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to jinx him. I don't want to say anything right now. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about the Knicks. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're the halftime show for the Knicks. Stephen A. Smith doesn't want to talk about it because he didn't want to jinx them. Well, you well they got that, jinxed. Well, you mentioned them after they got jinxed. Stephen A. had a, a little bit of an epic rant following that loss. No KD, no Kyrie, no Ben Simmons, and you lose a 28-point lead courtesy of a rookie <laughs> by the name of Cam Thomas, who's decent, probably good, 16 points in the fourth quarter. The New York Knicks are trash. Spike Lee shouldn't even show up for the rest of the season. Tracy Morgan, don't go. Don't go. Nobody goes. You're horrible. I am, I'm so done with this team. You just stink. <laughs> <laughs> he said the Knicks are blowing leads like it's going out of style. Like that's a that's a really good line. Or or giving away leads like it's going out of style. So, but here's the thing, Ty. Like, what's new? Like, yeah, you know what? Knicks fans got a little taste. Got a little taste last year, right? A little taste. And then, unfortunately, didn't have their best performance against the Atlanta Hawks in the postseason. But nonetheless, just the fact that they got to the postseason, was able to host the first round of the postseason, got a little taste of success, got a little taste of something good. And now, back to this? (laughs) It hurts. It hurts. It sucks. And now we get Sorry. to a point where just a couple of months removed from your your coach winning the Coach of the Year award, there are people calling for him to be fired as if this guy just, I mean, he stumbled upon not knowing listen, how to coach anymore. Coach anymore. Listen, I, listen. I, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that there aren't things that you know are that you that Tibbs. It's. It, I'm not saying that he's not to blame, but. The moves that this organization made in the offseason, we like we've been talking about it all season long, Ty. 
It's just there's no ebb and flow to this offense. Uh, Julius Randle is off. Defensively, you sacrificed so your your arguably best second best defensive player uh, to bring in Kimball Walker and Fournier, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not working, and no Derrick Rose. So I, I just yeah, you know, I'm not. This isn't all on Tibbs. It's just not. Yeah, the, the front office. There's a lot to be desired. And the questions aren't being answered because we haven't heard from the front office. The only thing we got this week was a report that Worldwide West uh, is telling uh, Dolan that, you know, some of the blame has to fall on Tom Thibodeau, which, I mean, sure, naturally the head coach has to bear the brunt of some of the criticism when his team is faltering this way. But, I mean, look at the roster he has. It's not, not a lot to work with. And, if I mean, to be quite frank, if, if Cam Reddish – and Obi Toppin not playing enough is the reason why you can't beat lottery teams, and that's just an indictment of your roster construction. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Joe Wiz joins us on the program, 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. How you doing? Hey, Anita. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I like when you said around 2.30 because you never know with live broadcasting uh, what time you're going to have me on and you never know what kind of conversation you're going to get into. So it's great great to be on. And uh, I know people are jonesing because there's no football, but, uh, hey, 144 college basketball games today, so I'm very happy. 144 college <laughs> basketball games. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't really get into college basketball until – the conference championships, and of course, then uh, March Madness. Everybody's in a hundred percent, right? Like, like I said earlier, it's my second favorite sporting event. Uh, but I do have some college plays today myself. But uh, let's start with you. Tell me, uh, let's let's start big. Let's start big or go home. What's your favorite college play today? Well, there's a couple of them here, but the one I do like in the Southeast Conference is the Hogs of Arkansas. They're uh, playing uh, Tennessee. Um, both of them come with almost identical records. Arkansas comes in with a record of 20 and six. Tennessee's at 19 and six. Um, I do like Arkansas. Um, you know, they they play well. And last home game, they knocked off Auburn, who was number one in the country at that time. They knocked Auburn out of the number one slot. Now Gonzaga's in there. Um, they're 16 and 10 against the spread, and um, I think them being playing at home with the up tempo. The last seven. In the series have gone over. They haven't met since last year, Anita. I think the Hogs would take care of the Volunteers. Vols have struggled on the road, losing to Texas, Kentucky, LSU, Alabama, and several other teams on the road. So I, I like the home advantage with the Hogs in Fayetteville. And so, and what's that line again? Arkansas? Uh, right now, the line at Bet Rivers, where you can bet it at Bet Rivers, the line has Arkansas favored by two, and the total's at 138. It's going to be a high-scoring affair, but the play is Arkansas minus the two. So Arkansas minus two. Okay, uh, I'll go. I'll go tick for tack with you, if that's the right phrase. Uh, I like Davidson today minus two. They've got a great offense. Uh, something that I think St. Louis they won't be able to keep up with. So uh, you like Arkansas minus two. I like Davidson minus two. So that's my other play. Let's go back to you, UNC, and uh, and Vermont. You've got to play in this matchup. Uh, Virginia Tech actually in the ACC. Oh, uh, Virginia Tech. And, uh, sorry, you take a look, yeah, that's that's my error. That's I apologize. I when I texted it to you, I, I probably put that, but it is Virginia Tech. I'll take the blame on that one. But um, UNC is um, eighteen and eight. Uh, Virginia. You know what's interesting, um, Anita? UNC. Um, 
early in the week, they were favored by 13 points at home to Pittsburgh, and they actually lost the game outright. So could you imagine what the money line was on that game? The Pitt Panthers were a 13-point dog, which is almost two touchdowns for those of you still thinking football, and they lost to Pittsburgh. And now they travel to uh, Virginia Tech, and they've already beaten Virginia Tech earlier in the season. They won in Chapel Hill, 78-76. to I think that this game is going to be a close game here. The line at Bet Rivers has Virginia Tech favored by four in a row, and the total is at one. 46 and a half. Virginia Tech is playing really well. Um, they have a record of 16 and 10. They've won six in a row. But I think that the Tar Heels were embarrassed and perhaps they were looking ahead to this game and looking past Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm expecting this game to go right down to the wire. I'm looking to grab plus five and buy a half point somewhere. Uh, my play here would be the Tar Heels to rebound after an embarrassing 13-point favorite loss outright to Pittsburgh. The Tar Heels show up today in Blacksburg and uh, possibly get the game, win the game outright by taking the five as a safety bet. Okay, so the four or the five? You said they're favored. They're getting four or five? Four and a half. The line's four and a half. Four and a half uh, is the line. And okay. I'm always looking around. There's some places that you can get the half points, and, you know, I'm always looking to, to grab those extra half points, as we all of are. Of course. Aren't, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Okay, my second play is I like Murray State over, uh, over Tennessee Martin. Uh, Tennessee Martin has lost six of seven. Murray's won 15 straight. They're shooting 45%. So, and it's a big number. I don't know. I know you don't like to lay these numbers, but it's 16. So, uh, Murray yeah, State. Murray State lay- it's a- Go ahead. Um, Murray State is actually a very good team, Anita. Um, obviously, I'm not going to be uh, playing uh, this game, but they're 25 and 2. Nobody talks about them. They're playing in the Ohio Valley Conference. Most people don't even know their nickname, the Murray State Racers, or even where they're located in Kentucky. And these are the type of things that they should listen to as we get closer to March Madness because some of these obscure conferences, you find some good value and you're able to take advantage of it because Murray State is ranked 21st in the country for a reason. And as you mentioned, they have a massive winning streak and they'll probably roll over Martin. As you, uh, but I'm not. Um, that's not, I, I, don't I know, I know, I, like I know, it. it's too much. I know, it's too much, too many points for you, uh, but in this matchup, not for me. So Murray State minus 16. Um, what's your third play, UVA-Miami? Uh, that is one play here. Virginia, uh, Virginia's playing Miami, and uh, the Cavs, you know, they've won six of eight against uh, Miami. And uh, when they met on February uh, 5th, uh, Virginia won relatively easy, 71 to 58 in Virginia. Um, but I think Miami is a little bit of a team under the radar here. They're 19 and seven, which is surprising that nobody takes them seriously here. Uh, they've won three in a row. It's a big revenge game for the Hurricanes. I think they get the job done here. Uh, and I always look for that aspect. Team. Uh, people have asked me, hey, when a team beats them early in the season, yeah, um, Virginia. Uh, I think that they are a good team, but they've lost at Notre Dame, at NC State, at North Carolina, and they even lost at James Madison. So I'm, I like the Hurricanes here. Small favorite again, uh, minus the two. Um, I'd like to take Miami on the money line. Ooh, Miami on I'm the money the best line. I'm value I can. There you go, Miami on the money line. Okay, my third play is I like Colorado State. They're laying four and a half. They're going up against UNLV. Uh, Colorado State has won four of their last seven, and this is a revenge game for them. So give me Colorado State over UNLV, and again, I'm laying four and a half. Uh, do you have any other plays? 
I'll just in interject college. on this point here. I, I, on this revenge game, Anita, I do agree with it because UNLV went into Fort Collins back on January 28th. They were a 14-point dog, and they beat Colorado State outright. They beat mm-hmm. them 88 to 74. It's one of the biggest upsets all year long. Such a big underdog. So uh, I do agree with that one. There. Um, I don't like laying points on the road here, but I think the Rams, they're a legitimate uh, team and another uh, conference that nobody talks about in the Mountain West. Um, one total maybe take a look out that um, uh, that nobody knows about. Um, San Diego State's playing Fresno State. And sometimes, like I said, if you're looking at a college basketball game, if you don't like the game, take a look at the total. Do some research here. Fresno comes in with a 16-9 record. They've lost three in a row, but they've only got over 10 times this year and 15 unders. And uh, six of the last eight meetings between the Aztecs and Bulldogs have gone under. And San Diego State, eight overs this year and 14 unders. The total's at 117 at Bat Rivers. I like to play the total this game to go under 117. And Anita, I want to remind everyone, tomorrow the fine line will be on at 8 a.m. And Ty Butler will be joining me in the studio. We'll be, be able to talk. A lot of people ask me questions. A lot of new people out there that are betting sports. Hey, what does the money line mean? What does a parlay mean? Uh, just simple terminology. And we're going to break that down. We'll talk about the All-Star game. Really excited to be on with Ty. Uh, so, uh, we'll be on at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And hopefully we can take a few phone calls as well. Uh, before I let you go, do you have any plays tonight or tomorrow in the All-Star festivities? Three-point shooting contest, uh, slam dunk contest, Team LeBron, key, Team KD, who you got? Um, perhaps take a look at tomorrow. Uh, maybe take a look at the total. The total's now shot up to uh, an insane 322, which is an ex- insane number. But last year it landed right on the number. It was 320. Um, so maybe take a look um, at the total in this game. I think that just there's no defense played. It's just like playing in the schoolyard, and they're just going to keep going up and down the court. So maybe take a look at the over. I'm going to be talking more about that All-Star game tomorrow at 8 a.m. On, on the fine line. Fantastic. Joe, thank you so much. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.